Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Allison. Welcome to the Resource Room Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today all about phonics. And for resource room teachers, that is a big one. So welcome. And could you tell listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do in education? Hey, Amanda. So thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Very excited to chat about phonics, one of my favorite topics, and definitely, at least at the time that we're recording this, a hot one right now for sure. Um, So my experiences in education have been varied. I've been a classroom teacher. I've taught pre-K through second grade. I have been a reading specialist. I've been director of curriculum and instruction, an instructional coach, a reading interventionist. Now at the current time, what I'm doing is private reading intervention And I've worked a lot with kids who have dyslexia or other reading disabilities. I have my master's degree in literacy instruction. So literacy instruction is just my passion. That's good. And something that a lot of teachers, even if they have a good understanding of, can always grow and always learn. Because I feel like literacy instruction is just such a big mama topic. It is. It is. There's so many different you know, aspects of it. And especially if students have special needs and that comes into play, there's just a lot to think about. And I always feel like I'm growing as well. Exactly. And as we should be, honestly. Absolutely. So one of the things that I was kind of telling you about um, earlier was that our students often, you know, as you said, working with kids with dyslexia, we might have kids with dyslexia, kids with just cognitive disabilities where it takes them a longer period of time to master things. And so oftentimes we might have students with goals where we're working on reading CVC words or working on words with beginning blends or vowel teams or whatever it is. And it might take us half three quarters, maybe even the whole year to really master that skill. And so what happens is we're constantly buying things from TPT, downloading this free resource, finding this printable, whatever it is, copying, laminating, cutting, all the things. And we're on this hamster wheel of recreating, recreating, because it takes our kids so long to do things. So do you have any routines or any tips to help teachers not be on that hamster wheel, things they can do without having to recreate all the time? Yeah, absolutely. I relate to that as well, like just having students take a lot longer. And the TPT resources are great. I mean, I have a TPT store. I share resources like that. Sometimes I go through all of my resources in, you know, the 10 years that since I started learning at the primary pond, sometimes I exhaust all my resources. So that's why I feel like it's really important to have these core routines that you can do and you can kind of like switch them up slightly depending upon the kids and just to keep them interesting. So I will share, go through just some of the routines that I find really helpful. 
um, great for really any learners, but especially for kids with special needs. So multi-sensory, I'm sure a lot of your listeners already use multi-sensory, but we have a little routine where I might say, for example, okay, what says M? And then the kids will write and trace. They'll say, for example, M says M. So it's multi-sensory. They're tracing something. And the something is what we can change up. We can do air writing where the kids will extend their whole arm. We use two fingers to engage those gross, you know, those gross motor skills um, because that is what can promote memory. So we might do some air writing. I tell them that it's their invisible spray paint. We could do sand writing. I'll have like a plastic pencil container or a little pencil box and I'll put colored sand in there and the kids do the exact same thing. In my example, M says, mm, they're tracing and saying. Um, you could do a gel bag. And again, I'm sure many of your listeners do these things already, but just to give a bunch of ideas, you know, you fill a plastic bag with hair gel, you stick some, a little bit of food coloring in there. You just kind of want a thin layer. And then I also have these like sparkle stars that I bought from Amazon that they seem to like. So I'll stick those in the gel bag. Same thing. We trace on top of it. You can do it with shaving cream. If you really want to go bananas, I don't do that all the time, but it can be something for a special treat and it cleans the desks or the tables. So multi-sensory, and I'm sure your listeners have many more ideas, but the reason why I wanted to mention all those options is because it's the same routine. You just can vary the material so the kids don't get too bored. I I really like that because to be honest, I have sand trays there. It looks like a, you know, a tray that you would get at a fast food restaurant with your meal yeah. on it. I have those with sand in there and that's all I do. I could switch it up and you're exactly right. The routine is the same. It's just the material that would be different. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So another routine that we do pretty frequently and the actual skill that we're working on will vary, but picture swords or word swords, again, pretty basic. I'm sure that your listeners do it, but there's different ways to kind of get at the core, you know, skills that you're working on, the idea of word swords or picture swords. With word sorts, of course, we're not trying to teach our kids every single individual word in the English language. We're trying to get them to grasp patterns and then apply them, right, to read and write new words. And so word sorts get at those patterns. They help our kids, like, you know, just bring their attention to those patterns, notice patterns. And so there's many ways to do this. Number one, there's just the basic of like words on cards. And you've got, you know, here are, here are some words that have the long E spelled with E-E. And here are some words that have the long E spelled with E-A. And they're physically manipulating. Great. Uh, you could also do it digitally. I know a lot of teachers will use Seesaw to have them sort words, but literally even just like a Google slide. It's, it's the same routine. Again, it's a word sort, but ooh, it's on the tablet. So it's a little bit more exciting. Another thing that I like to have them do, and this doesn't, it doesn't have the physical manipulation part of it, but it's still getting at the same core skills that we want to get at, is I will have them do a, like I'll have a list of words and they get to color code them. So with that EE and EA example, oh, well, the EE words, they color code with orange and the EA words, they color code with blue. And if you let them choose their colors, that becomes that much more thrilling for them. <laughs> so again, it's attention to patterns 
It's just a, a little bit of a twist. Another thing you can do is a sort and write where this, you know, I've done this different ways, but a really great way to do it is to read off a word. And these would need to be words that they've worked on before, but you read off a word and then they'll have two columns on their paper with the EE and EA example. They have to not only spell the word, but write it into the correct column. So again, focusing on attention to patterns. So once again, this is a routine, the sorting, which you can do with pictures as well for phonological awareness if they're not yet onto word sorts, but it's one routine, you do it in different ways. Again, I love it because I might be doing one of those things, but I'm definitely not mixing it up. I'm not doing all of them. Um, way back whenever I taught fifth grade gen ed, I had a lot of routines that I would do like on Monday, this is how we would do it. And that's maybe, you know, just a basic word sort. On Tuesday, we would do something different. Wednesday, we would do something different. So then every day of the week had something different or unique, but the week every Monday was predictable. Every Tuesday was predictable. So maybe even some of those things you listed could be really good. Like, hey, here's what we do on Monday. Here's what we do on Tuesday. Or it could be, this is what we do for a week at a time or, or whatever. But I really like those ideas. Awesome. Well, I love the idea of, even though you're changing up the routine, there's still some routine and consistency yes. there. Yeah. Because I think we can all relate to like the experience of sitting down to lesson plan. And you're like, what haven't I done in a while? Oh uh -huh. my gosh, I can't think of ideas. Well, if you already plan <laughs> to change up the routine, which sounds funny, um, like you said, with like different things for different days or even like your rotating weeks, it still creates that consistency and time saving effect for yourself. But it also gives the kids that, um, you know, that that freshness, that newness, something different. Right. It's like their structure, but it's new, you know, so exactly. it, it's still formatted the way I want it or structured the way I want it. But we also get to try new things every day. We're doing something different. So. Um, exactly. I like that. I also think then, you know, maybe some of the things that are introductory can be on Monday when you might be teaching that new sound or, okay, this week we're throwing in EA, but last week we did EE. Now let's talk about that and build towards some independence later in the week on that task or something. So. Yes, absolutely. I think it, you know, some phonics programs that I've seen, it's like they keep the same routine every day, which number one can get boring. It's good. It's good for the kids to have that consistency. But number two, when you're introducing a new skill, you want to have the routine be different. You want it to reflect the amount of work that the kids can do because they're just beginners at this skill. So I do think that like, like built in flexibility, built in changes within routines are important, like you said like I was telling you earlier, our kids are working on the same skill for so long. And so that gets so boring. That gets so dry. And our students with disabilities, they need routine. They need structure. So to me, that's kind of like the best of both worlds. We have our routine and structure, but it's not boring. Like, oh, seriously, Mrs. Wilp, we're doing this again. It would mm -hmm. provide that variety that they need. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what about your fourth routine that you would recommend for us to try? So this one, again, is something that I'm sure that your listeners do already, but it is just blending to read words. Again, I'm sure they, that you do this already, but there's different ways of having them do this. 
Uh, I have a blending board or you can just put letter cards on like a, a sheet of, of paper or on the desktop. And actually, if you're not, if you're listening and you're not sure what a blending board is, I'm going to give Amanda a link so that you can check that out with the notes that go along with this episode so that you can actually see a photo of it. And this post goes over these routines as well. So that might be helpful to refer back to. But anyway, you can do it on a blending board where you have different cards for each sound and you flip one of the cards each time to come up with a new word or a nonsense word. I think it's important to have them blend to read nonsense words as well. So different ways of doing that. You can do it where you have like a Google slide and you it's very easy to set up, but you just have like different cards, quote unquote, but they're digital. And then you go to the next slide and one of the cards is different. So they're reading a new word. You can do along those lines, you can do blending lines. I do have some of those in my Teachers Pay Teachers store where it's just a piece of paper or a half sheet of paper and there's words with the target pattern that the kids are supposed to be practicing. Um, I've seen, I don't have any of these, but I've seen like blending ladders or word ladders. Again, same core skill. We're applying whatever phonics routine we're teaching to read words with that pattern, but different ways of working. I love it. You're exactly right. We're already doing it, but on like a surface level. We could jazz it up. We could do something a little different to practice the same skill. I love it. All right. And if I am remembering correctly, you have one more routine for us. What is that? Yeah. So these I'm going to kind of lump together, but they are different. You know, the, the main purpose is to have kids build words, write words. It's the encoding part of our, our lesson, right? And so lots of different ways to do this. Word building. I have letter tiles where, you know, I'll say a word, they'll repeat the word, I'll use it in a sentence, they tap it out, so they're segmenting it, and then they build it. Now, I have magnetic letters that are the actual shapes of the letters, which your listeners probably have as well. I have tiles, I have just, I, I have a lot of different like ways for them to build words. So lots of different materials. And then as far as when they're writing the words, like with the dictation, it's still encoding, but you want to give kids um, sounds, words, and or sentences to write. So sometimes we do whiteboards, often we do paper, and then they're making corrections there, but you can vary like the writing material that they use for it, you can vary whether they are, you know, maybe some of your older kids are actually ready to type depending on what their skill level is. Lots of different ways to do that encoding piece of making and writing words. So it's again, it's variation within that routine. I love that. It also makes me wonder, how do you keep track of kind of like, I guess the amount of time that you're dedicating to phonics. And so if you're going to spend 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever your time period is, then how do you start segmenting? What am I going to work on each day? Or how much time am I going to dedicate to the multi multi-sensory piece versus a word sort? Yep. Such a good question. I wish I had like a cut and dried answer that apply that would apply to every situation. <laughs> the tricky part is, is that it depends so much on your kids. So like when they're first learning to read, and it also depends on like how much time with you, time that you have with them in general, right? Like if you're in the classroom, is it like a whole class phonics lesson? If you're, you know, it's a pullout situation. So it very much depends. 
you know, if I have a, a phonics dedicated small group that's really just focusing on phonics, it's nice to have 15 or 20 minutes. And with like some of the little, little ones or just the kids who are still working on those foundational skills, regardless of age, you know, you are going to want to spend a lot of time on phonological awareness and those, you know, those very basic phonics skills. But as kids grow, you want more and more of that time to be focused on application. So yes, we're practicing the phonics routine in isolation. You know, maybe we're doing some multi-sensory, but as much of the time as you can, have them applying it to be, you know, writing words, writing sentences, and then reading text, reading text that have the target phonics pattern or patterns that you're working on. You want more and more time to be dedicated to that as they grow in their abilities. So I know that's kind of a variable answer, but does that help at all? I think so. And sometimes even, I think as teachers, we like an exact answer. Spend 10 minutes a day, spend 15 minutes a day. But you're exactly right. There's no one size fits all because our kids are different. Our amounts of time are different. So you're exactly right there. There's no perfect answer, but I think you did a great job of explaining I guess that spectrum or kind of the sequence of how we would progress throughout the year. Yeah. I also think one thing to consider too is like, I think of the activities that I do, at least when it's relevant to phonics as falling into either the encoding, the spelling or the decoding buckets. And so I try to find a somewhat of a balance between those buckets. But again, there's variation because you'll have some kids where the decoding actually comes pretty easy, easily to them, but then the encoding is where it's tricky or occasionally it'll be vice versa. Um, so again, there's variation, but a balance between decoding and encoding is something to strive for too. Yes, that's a good reminder as well. What would you recommend as far as assessment goes? Let's say it's the beginning of the school year. I'm trying to figure out what students are going to go in which group and what targeted words do they need? How do you assess your students? What does that look like? Yeah, that's a good question because I feel like, you know, often we have an abundance of data <laughs> that yeah. our school you know, requires that we assess for or it's with their IEP or whatever else. And sometimes, unfortunately, that doesn't it, it gives us helpful information, but sometimes it leaves out the piece of what phonics skills does this child know and what do they not know yet? So this is where I feel that a phonics diagnostic assessment is extremely helpful and Amanda, I actually have, I'm going to send you this link so that you can include it in the show notes for your listeners. I have a free phonics diagnostic assessment. And what we do in this assessment, well, for the, for the ones that are still working on letter sounds, there's just a basic letter sound assessment, right? But then there is a piece where the kids are reading words and they're designed to be words that are not super familiar to them. So we avoid things like cat and dog and, and those basic words, but the words are very carefully chosen, so they will have different phonics patterns and they build in difficulty. And the same thing goes for the encoding piece of that assessment. So in the free assessment, we have words for them to spell. And again, they're not super, super common words. So hopefully we get a sense of if they actually you know, know this phonics skill as opposed to they've just memorized it. But so they're reading words, they're spelling words. And what's nice about the free assessment is that 
based upon how the, the kids do, you can see very clearly like, oh, we need to work on this skill or, oh, they have mastered this skill. And so, you know, no, no assessment is perfect by any means, but it gives you such a good starting point. And throughout the school year, you'll want to continue that, you know, even if you don't give the phonics, that phonics diagnostic assessment again until the end of the year or mid-year, um, you're looking for the same things where I like to look for, I mean, 80% is like the magic number, right? But <laughs> I'm looking for like 80% when we're reading words with, oh, I don't know, silent E, long I words. Are they getting 80% of those? Are they spelling 80% of the long I with silent E or whatever skill it is words correctly? So that will give you a starting point. And then throughout the school year, you're, you'll want to look at their actual like progress but again, this can give you some more specific information to guide your instruction that sometimes other assessments may not give you. I think that is incredibly valuable, especially, you know, as a resource room teacher sitting down, maybe it's an initial and we're just identifying a student. I need to get them, get to know them so that I can choose a goal that we're going to work on for a year. And I think that would be very, very helpful. I love that you have it for free too. Yeah, yeah. To that. Yeah, so I will definitely link that in the show notes because I think that would be something that resource room teachers really, really could put to work. Right. So, Allison, could you tell listeners where they can find you on the internet and then what will they find when they get there? So, uh, lots of places, <laughs> learning at the primarypond.com. We have a blog there, and so there's just there's a lot of the articles are focused on phonics, but all aspects of like the reading and writing processes. The YouTube channel is another good place to find me. Again, lots of videos, put out a weekly video. I think it comes out on like Tuesdays. And then um, just like for your day-to-day -day, like tips and helpful ideas and little bites of information, Instagram or Facebook, we're learning at the primary pond on all of those. Okay, that's perfect. And I always link all of that in the show notes, but even just for people to hear and be like, oh, I didn't know she was on Instagram or I didn't know she had a YouTube or whatever um, might allow teachers to think, oh, I, I need to look her up there. So I'll link all that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much for spending a little time with me this morning to talk about some of those routines. You have really inspired me to change up what I'm doing in some of those things. Kind of like I said with the sand. Why am I doing sand every day <laughs> when I could be using the gel bag or, you know, other things? Even air riding, they would really love. So you've kind of inspired me to think outside the box or even some of those things that, you know, maybe we did our first few years of teaching or for me, I might've done my first few years of teaching and then would shift to something else and then realize, yes. oh my gosh, my kids aren't very good at this. And so I would move to that and abandon all of the things I was doing where now that I, I know a little more, I could start bringing those things back with purpose or with intention for what I'm doing. I love that. I feel like there's, we know so much as teachers and half the battle is just remembering what we know and remembering the tools that we have in our toolbox yes. to present a skill in a different way or to keep the kids engaged. I feel like that's half the battle. Yeah. It's like remembering it at the right time. You could know it, but if it's just hiding out in your brain somewhere, it's not doing us any good. 
And on the flip side of that, if you remember and want to do all the things, you're going to overwhelm yourself. So it's all about balance of remembering the right thing at the right time and being <laughs> yes. able to actually do it and get it done. So thank you for so kind true. of bringing that up. And I think your blog post will be valuable as a place to go back to and keep looking at that of like, this is getting a little stale. What can we do to switch it up a little bit? Where, like you said, keeping the same routine, we're doing the same thing, mm -hmm. just changing it up a notch. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And it's been so wonderful talking to you. Thanks, Amanda. Appreciate you having me on. All right. I'll talk to you later. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.